The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty, building a real estate-informed community, one epic show at a time. According to some early morning social media posts today, Thursday, April 18, 2019, may always be known for the day that the unredacted report was shared with the public. And yes, I did say unredacted. After a week of talk and speculation, a ton of social media buzz, the unredacted Farrell report is about to be fully revealed to a wide audience here in Northumberland County, as well as those who secretly listen in online on the worldwide interweb. No one will be talking about the Mueller report anymore after we're done here. In a few moments, we'll be talking to Aaron Farrell, real estate sales representative with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage, founder and designer for staged interiors and real estate investor. And this will be part two of our report on the art of the real estate investment house flip. And for those of you who hear these tested and proven inside tips on investment house flipping and put them into practice, you might always remember where you were and what you were doing the day this was this unredacted report was broadcast. And for those of you who have no interest in ever flipping a home, but you own a home or you live in a home, besides the fact that you're participating in this historic moment, there will be insightful information on how to improve the value and enjoyment of the real estate you live in. So you will not walk away empty-handed. Let's get right down to business with our April 18, 2019 Snapshot. And Snapshot is a look at today's residential real estate market in Northumberland County. There have been 137 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that's down one sale from last week's report. And it leaves us with an increasing inventory of... 432 residential listings for sale. Average selling price of successful sales over the past year is up $2,000 over last week's report to approximately $424,000. During the past year, people have received on average approximately 98% of the list price in a market time of 46 days. And that 98% of list price has been very steady uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Northumberland County, you are still in a seller's market with an absorption rate at approximately 32% based on the past month's sales trend, meaning we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately 3.2 months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from 
CoreLogix matrix system. And if you're looking for the matrix system on the internet, you're not going to be able to, if you find it, you won't be able to log in because it's the realtor component of the MLS system. And so if you're looking for this kind of information, but you need it area specific, specific to the property type you're looking at and the price band it's in, talk to your local realtor because they can find the information that's most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are five-year fixed is as low as 2.99% and a five-year variable as low as 2.85%. And as always, some conditions do apply. These mortgage rates, they come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. Just a quick note of a date you'll want to put in your calendar on Saturday, June 8, this year, from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m., the Architectural Conservancy of Ontario, Coburg and East Northumberland, is excited to present a house tour. They're going to have eight properties on the tour, and these properties will all have unique architectural features and interior design. And they're in age, they're going to range anywhere from the 1840s to the 2000s. Tickets will be $30, and they can be purchased from Lighthouse Books in Brighton, Downey Pharmacy in Colburn, and 1812 Antiques in Grafton. You can also call 289-435-2015 for your tickets. And that is a current snapshot of the residential real estate market and events in Northumberland County. Just like to remind everybody that the views and opinions expressed here on Reality Realty or any of the articles do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the station, of the local real estate board, of any real estate brokerages or any other realtors. They're just our views and opinions at this time. Most likely the right views and opinions too, but that can sometimes be debatable. And with us this morning... As I mentioned at the top of the show is Aaron Farrell, and Aaron is sharing with us uh, perspectives on the house flip, and, and Aaron is wearing three hats here. He's wearing the hat of a realtor. He's wearing the hat of the owner, founder, and designer in, in interior, uh, staged interiors, and he's also uh, an experienced flipper. A real estate investor. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Dale. Thank you for having me back on. Yeah, well, it was, uh, you know, I described earlier in the, in the intro, it, there was a lot of buzz on, on social media. Good to hear. I'm sure most every household was talking about it after last week. Everyone's going to be flipping houses now. Every, yeah, well, no. if they're listening close and they pay attention to the rules, I mean... That's they, right. they have the opportunity. And we talked about who, who would last week about who would be good potential home flippers. And I mean, I can't, I couldn't go anywhere this week, Aaron. I, I, I took the family out to a restaurant and, uh, and I had people approaching me and, and saying that they listened to the show and they thought you were amazing. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah, and not, not, not a word of a lie. I think that's just the hype of reality realty in general, but... <laughs> Yeah, Thank well, you. <clears throat> you know, I like to, I like to talk it up, but uh, I'm just very grateful if anybody listens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Aaron, last week, 
you know, not only did we talk about who was a good candidate, but we talked about what, what would be a decent return on investment for a, a flip. We talked about, you know, whether you live in a home and have a longer flip versus a shorter, the pros and cons of both. We talked about best uh, areas of the house to renovate, like what would have the best return. Uh, we got into your own personal rules for, you've created your own rules for what makes a good flip and what doesn't, and um, and, and a formula that, uh, you know, you have a formula you work with. So those are the things that we talked about last week, and and I did take a look this morning before we came in, and the show is on the podcast archives of 89.7 FM, so... If you're listening today and you missed last week, you can you can uh, play last week's uh, show from the 89.7 FM's website podcast. And today, today we're we're at a place of um, I wanted to ask you last week about flipping in town versus flipping a rural property. Right. And what what could be some things you need to consider for that? few things to consider and and also too um, it's important to um, you know take into account when you're when you're looking at those properties um, what is going to be offered uh, in terms of a buyer pool on the country properties versus the municipal ones I think it's pretty pretty commonly known that um, rural properties spend longer days on market mm-hmm. and that's something to factor in um, and also, too, not everyone is fully comfortable with municipal, uh, with, uh, sorry, with septic and well out in the country. Yeah, if somebody's never experienced it, and uh, that could be a concern. Certainly it could. And, and in town, right, most people are looking to live in town. But what you do get into that is a, a bit of a, a positive maybe of, of being in the country and flipping a rural property is your neighborhood ceiling on the price points. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you're not in a subdivision. And there isn't something that is a direct comparable um, that you're going to be pricing off of. Whereas in town, we touched on it last week, if you're flipping a home that is within a subdivision, there's a good chance that there are going to be comparables that are going to restrict where you can sell. So you you talk about a ceiling of a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that just a little bit more. I know when uh, Caroline and I, we started, we, we got married, we started buying our first homes that was, I mean, that was very much the case. You know, you didn't want to over-improve a home in a neighborhood in town um, because you just would never get your return. I'm thinking, I've noticed over the, over the years and years and years, right. I, I'm thinking I, I've seen a difference. I, I see how it still applies, mm-hmm. but in, in, in my estimation... It's it's not as hard and fast of a rule as it once was in town that you can create, you can you know over improve, right. and uh, and just create the home that everybody thinks they they have to have, right? right. And and so would, you're agreeing? You you see I, that? I do, and I think if you're focusing, I mean, we are in Northumberland County, so if you're focusing in Northumberland County, um, when we say you know, country properties. The country properties here really are not that far away from town, maybe in other centers. Mm-hmm. You look at Baltimore and Grafton, um, Welcome. Those are very close communities to the 401, major transit. Um, their price points aren't going to be um, 
devalued maybe as much because they are so close. Mm -hmm. So I think we are in a market here that can support that. I just, you know, I always do focus too on buyer pools and, and, and who your target audience is going to be when mm-hmm. you're when you're selling that property and how many eyes you're going to have on it that are looking within that area. But there is deals to be found in country properties and you can push your profit margins on them because it doesn't have other properties that are exactly the same to compare to. Yeah, yeah. So that, that ceiling, wherever that ceiling is today in town is just, so much more difficult to uh, put your finger on. Of course. Rurally. I mean, it can be anything you want it to be. Rurally, you could have something that's, you know, a 1,200 square foot sort of shack that's never had any work done. And, and then just, you know, next driveway over, which could be which could be a mile right. <laughs> or a half a mile away, and, and you have some big, beautiful castle. And as you say that, too, Dale, something else that pops into my mind is when you're working in town, I mean, your lot can only facilitate so much of maybe in addition. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're on a country property and you have that 1,200 square foot shack that you're talking about, I'm sure you have the space on your property to have an addition put on. And and that's that's a whole different topic about, sure. uh, you know, you know, the, the, well, the cost, the cost of your rentals for the flip. Right. Just go very high. So not everybody could do that. But uh, yeah, just depending on on the specific situation, there, there could be uh, a great return on that as well. Yeah, the opportunities there. Yeah. And, and that would be another step in who's in who you are as a as an investment flipper, right? Certainly not. I don't think you're going to step into your first flip, take a country property and then plan to do a five, six hundred square foot addition. Mm-hmm. But as you gain experience in it, you know, talking about rural properties versus properties in town, that certainly is an option that's available. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at a home, Aaron, and you're trying to decide uh, if it's a good flip or not, are there any, is there anything that you would just stay away from? You just don't see the benefit in tackling. I think, I think every property, like we talked about, um, there's different variables that come into play. I don't ever think there is one thing that mm-hmm. is, if this is there, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from it. If the numbers work, the numbers work. But I think there is maybe a multitude of factors that could play into it. Um, a few things is, you know, I always think about um, be weary of doing and flipping the large home in a, in a neighborhood surrounded by smaller homes. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that, and this is the price point in that area, surrounded by smaller bungalows, and you're maybe doing a two-story or a larger side split, you're going to end up paying more in material for it, but your your cost on your resale per square footage is going to be less. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're looking to find a smaller home, a smaller bungalow in a estate subdivision surrounded by larger homes, those homes are going to elevate that property. And mm-hmm. in turn, you're going to make more money per square foot. Mm-hmm. I also think um, I, I try and stay away from the unique home, like the one-off, um, right. like a log home, for example. Although nothing against log homes, mm-hmm. that can be tough. Not everyone is looking for a log home. And, and what do you think the challenges are with a log home? I, I mean, I've, I've shown people log homes before, um, and they thought maybe it was an option, but when we get in, it, it no longer becomes an option. Maybe... It, just maybe cosmetically. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe not everyone, like that's a, that's a lot of wood it, mm. everywhere you look. That's a, you know, maybe people just don't want that. They want, you know, more of a modern, um, aesthetic in their home. Um, whereas if you're in town and you're, you know, I talked about it, flipping a three bedroom, two bathroom bungalow and you, you know, you create a modern product. There's a lot of people and a lot more people looking for that than maybe a log home. I, I think some of these log homes that have uh, combined the drywall walls with with some of the exposed logs and, and they sort of create a synergy between a, a modern, uh, you know, recently built home mm-hmm. and, and keeping some of the rusticness from oh, the log. I, I think that, that gains a, another... Um, group of potential buyers? I think, yeah, it would certainly open it up, definitely. I just think if it's me and I'm looking to do the safe investment, if I could choose between the unique home Mm -hmm. or the home that's maybe a little more stable and a little more traditional, I'm probably going to lean towards that avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing I would say is um, I try to avoid a property when you're purchasing it if it has factors that you can't resolve. Like if there is negative factors hurting the price point, like for example, you're in a really poor neighborhood Mm -hmm. or you're near train tracks. Those are things you can't resolve. Those are exterior factors that you're not going to be able to fix. You could have a terrible, you know, a kitchen that needs updated or bathrooms, carpet, flooring, you can change that. But those factors, you're never going to, never going to change those. Traffic. Exactly. Traffic, maybe not traffic you see, but traffic you hear. Yeah, a perfect uh, example. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a number of things. I guess if you're rural, um, and you're close to maybe a uh, a chicken or a hog farm, smell. Yeah, right. Smell certainly. Absolutely. And and so those are things that you can't change. And then I think the last thing would be, you know, if there is, you know, a large extent of major mechanicals that need corrected. Because, you know, if, you, if you're if you going to put in a new furnace or AC unit, that's all right. But if you're working with maybe like a home that doesn't have ductwork run to the upstairs mm. or, you know, it's old radiator heating, things like that, then your your margins, it can really require a really, really heavy renovation budget. And there could be a lot of things because the home is built a certain way that are, you know, sp- spiraling effects and costs associated with correcting that. So let's let's imagine that <clears throat> you saw a home, and and it not only needed furnace and air, but it also needed the ductwork. Meaning, it the ductwork you need to frame around it. I, unless I mean, solutions could be on a bungalow that the ductwork runs through the attic, yeah. and vents come down by. Ductless heating and AC. I mean, yeah. So solutions. I mean, but if you if you're thinking about that and and you're adding up. You know, the ductwork, the framing around it, the dry, you know, now the finishing of the framing, mm-hmm. drywalling, taping, mudding, sanding, paint prime. Um, is it still something you'd go away from if if you were able to buy at the right price? Because you're still, now you're into more time to do it all as well, right? right. I, I wouldn't say, and that's why I said when I, you know, to this question, I don't think there's ever one reason that that would stop you from or hinder you from buying a property. I think if you can be, uh, if you can work it into your negotiating, if you can work it into your purchase price, and it, it it factors in. And maybe it's a property that has a lot of mechanical issues, but maybe it's cosmetically not as bad, 
and then your time frame is focusing more work on the mechanicals of the home versus cosmetic upgrades mm -hmm. and the budget works, for sure you could go ahead with it. But every property is its own entity. All right. Well, Aaron, we're already at our first break. And so time seems like it's uh, passed by really quick. And thank you for fixing I got it going. our camera here, uh, folks. We, we recorded last week's um, broadcast on video, and uh, I started editing it uh, last week. And we wanted to record part two, but I was fumbling away at the beginning trying to get that thing started. Couldn't, but Aaron got it fixed while, while we started the show and so that's something that uh, hopefully we'll be posting in the future. And folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we're going to continue to talk about how to successfully do a real estate investment flip. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Aaron Farrell. And if you've ever thought about flipping a home and uh, making a profit on a, a real estate investment flip, or you're just interested in some, some things that could help improve the value of the home you live in, this is a good show to be listening to. Aaron, before the break, we were talking about um, rural versus in-town uh, flips. Mm -hmm. We talked about uh, different features that could make you think twice about uh, investing in a particular home. And and some of that had to do with renovation. Well, pretty much a lot All of that, that. Had, other than issues you can't resolve right being like traffic and noise and and neighborhood smells and things like that but so it all has to do with uh, renovations and so there's i mean big part of the calculation you were talking about last week is in the costs what are some ways people can actually save on renovation costs if there was one suggestion that i i commonly make is that if you think you're going to get into and this this goes for everyone in general, this if you're a frequent, you know, DIYer and you're doing a lot of home projects, anything like that, set up a set up a contracting company. It doesn't have to be a fully functioning contracting company. It can be, you know, f for me, for example, Faro Enterprise. Mm -hmm. But it was the business that was the contracting company associated with associated with all of my flips. You take that and you go into your local distribution centers, your Home Depot, har home hardware, everything like that, and you say, listen. I'm going to be doing this project over the next little while. Mm -hmm. I'd like to set up contractor accounts. And with that, you know, you're going to save maybe 5, 10, up to 15% on the purchase of your material. You're just registering a business. It's your own business. It doesn't have to be fully functioning, but it allows you to, you know, have a few business cards, register those accounts. And over the course of an entire project, I mean, if you work on a, a $50,000 budget, that's five thousand to seventy five hundred dollars that you're saving just mm -hmm. by setting up a contractor account from the place you're going to get your materials anyways yeah really really good point and 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 something people might not even think of yeah I, I think it can be a simple solution just to save a little bit of money and i also think um with 
flipping, it's so important to source material. You know, like your light fixtures, you know, it's never been easier to find deals just, you know, via the internet. Wayfair, for example. Okay, so you would use some of these online sources. Absolutely. I've actually, Wayfair has been a frequent site that I've used for light fixtures. So it's it's bookmarked. It's saved on the favorite tabs at (laughs) the top corner of the laptop. But, you know, between the distribution centers that you're shopping from, searching online, you know, even Home Depot online, Lowe's online Mm -hmm. at night, and you just compare. Because when when buyers are coming into that property and take light fixtures, for example, because I had just mentioned it, if you're debating between that $40 light fixture and that $60 light fixture, when the buyer comes in, if it's a new LED light fixture, Mm -hmm. that 20 bucks is $20 in your pocket. So source around is super, super important. Spend your time at night sourcing. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I think about when you when you talk about going online and finding things like light fixtures, uh, being a realtor, going in so many homes, and then seeing, you know, from from your from a local say hardware shop, mm-hmm. seeing the same lights over and over again in so many homes because people that bought them locally, and that's fantastic. I mean, I, I love to buy locally as much as as I can, but. Well, if you're doing this to make money and you want your your flip to stand out and be set apart, I mean, there's product that, and, and it might not even be anymore. It might even be less. For sure. And and you can now have something where people go, wow, never seen that fixture before. I totally agree. I mean, go get your drywall from Home Depot and all your materials or wherever you shop, but your your that you're searching for for say light fixtures online you're looking through thousands versus maybe an aisle of 10 or 20 lights that you have you know in the local hardware store mm-hmm. and you know more often than not i think the prices are actually cheaper. better yeah and and so i mean i'll just make another comment on lights which will get us right into uh, i think design design yep. decisions and in, in uh, flipping but when I, when I see people who have paid attention to lighting, that to me, that's got to have a huge return on investment because mm-hmm. it can make the world a difference in a home from, I'm not a flipper. I'm, I, I don't do that. But I do real estate and I do recognize when, when people have done interior design well mm-hmm. and not and when people have done a flip well and not. And, and to me, it's, it's also not about spending a ton of money on every light. I'm thinking you want a couple feature lights that wow somebody, and then and then you want continuity and tastefulness in a in maybe a simple, you know, light that's effective for the rest of the house. I don't even think I need to answer any of your design questions. It's exactly what I would have said. <laughs> okay. I, I I would have said that you know your front foyer make that a very impressionable light. Mm-hmm. Um, dining room. If you have an island in the kitchen, those are lights not to hold back on. Mm-hmm. But then throughout the bedrooms, consistency and getting into design, consistency is very, very important um, to have a flow throughout the house. Mm-hmm. So so when we talk about uh, des- design decisions, you would say having a consistent uh, continuity through the house and a flow is important. Any other uh, design decisions that Uh, you I mentioned it last week. I would say 
try to stay away from flipping the house for yourself. You know, like we talked about living in your flip versus not living in your flip. And Mm -hmm. when you live in your flip, you spend so much time there that you start making choices that appeal to you. I would say make your design choices appeal as if you're appealing to the masses. I would also say try and stay away from going trendy. Don't go with the with with the latest trend. For example, for me, every flip I've done, I've put in a white kitchen. Mm-hmm. Every single flip has been a white kitchen. It's timeless. The majority of people are are you know they like white kitchens. Yeah, they work. Um, but tying in with consistency, consistency is important through the color. But another thing I would stay away from is, say you found a really good deal on some tile. And it's so good and the tile works. So you put it in every single bathroom. That's something I would stay away from. I think I would source for a few different deals um, and find uh, tile that works in different spaces. It, it works together, but you're not showing the same tile in every single room or the mm. same light fixture in every single room. Because as people are going through the house, it, it maybe could get a bit stale. Mm-hmm. So I would focus on making each room stand out, but flow and work together. Now, one of the things that just crossed my mind is you're talking about tiles for a bathroom, mm-hmm. a small room mm-hmm. where you don't need a whole lot. Uh, do you ever go to the ReStore and see what kind of product the Habitat for Humanity store has? Yeah, uh, there's times where we've sourced, um, you know, a lot of that stuff just, you know, even if it's even if it's refinishing sh- certain things or mm-hmm. um, we had a kitchen where we were building a banquette and we had refinished uh, the tops um, for the banquette. And because a lot of times too, I mean, it helps on the pricing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, there's amazing deals to be had there. And I mean, if you're trying to do a whole main floor in flooring, how often will they have you know, that many square feet of the same flooring in, in something that will work for you? But if you're looking for smaller rooms, right. I, I think it's a shame not to you know, pop in Certainly, and, and just see what they have and see how much money you can save, which I'm going to go back a question or two okay. and see what you think of this. And that is, um, you know, saving money mm-hmm. on, on a flip and, and who, who's a good candidate for a flip. And so hands-on is, is, you know, a great way to save money as opposed to hiring everything out. What do you think about somebody who hasn't had any experience swinging a hammer or doing anything before? maybe volunteering a little bit for uh, Habitat for Humanity and getting involved in a build there and just learning a few uh, skills. But primarily when they're doing the flip, they're going to be subbing out the work? No, no. That, 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 you know, maybe, maybe there's somebody out there and they're thinking, oh, I'd li- love to get into that. I can see the opportunity. I, I, I understand a whole lot about what they're saying, but I've never, I've never swung a hammer. I couldn't be hands-on. I'm just thinking... Why not go out to a Habitat for Humanity flip, um, not flip, but build sure. for, and, and, vol- and, and volunteer for a while and learn how to swing a hammer and, and turn a screwdriver and use a drill. And I think it's a great idea. And yeah. I, we even touched on it last week at the beginning of the show, how the biggest thing for people that are looking to get into flips is they just, they never pull the trigger. There is that fear factor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say to anyone, I mean, everyone that started doing it was at the same position, but you just got to put yourself in a position and take the risk, a calculated risk. And, uh, you know, if you don't do it, you're never going to know. But if you can put yourself in a position like that to familiarize yourself mm-hmm. with the trades, I think that's a great idea. 
Yeah, and and you said at the end of last week, and and we're gonna we're gonna get your contact information before we're done here. You said that if somebody's interested in even talking about doing their own flip, you'd be happy to uh, sure. talk to them. I mean, this is a lot to take in in the in the course of a show, but uh, if they they want some follow up questions, um, we're gonna we're gonna give Aaron's uh, contact information at the end of the show. So. When you're when you're doing these designs, mm-hmm. um, how much how much are you targeting um, somebody's heart in a flip um, to you know just to make that an emotional buy? I mean, very much so. When you're trying to finish these properties, you just want them to be new and clean and fresh and bright, uh, and then so much so that. When they're priced the way that they are and people go in there and they look at what else is maybe available, emotionally they go, this is perfect. This is great. One thing I would say, though, is stay away from trying to make your flip look like it is on the TV shows, right? Like Mm -hmm. emotional to some extent, but, you know, you just want to really appeal to the masses and, uh, and make it look clean and bright and fresh and new. And I think that really, really resonates with people. So when you say uh, avoid making it look like the TV shows, are you meaning, you know, fuss on every single detail for perfection? Yeah, you're not trying to make the perfect house because the perfect house is super, super expensive. Yeah. And I think that it's really not about trying to make the perfect house or else you're going to spend too much. And Mm. I think that um, if that's what you're trying to do and you're trying to replicate that, I think you're going to leave money on the table. Yeah, and and so we're we're into the design portion, and and so we're we're talking about you as a flipper. You've you have the house ready to list, mm-hmm. and now you're just saying, okay, uh, how do I how do I earn some extra dollars? You know, put some extra dollars in my in my pocket as an investor who's done a flip. Is are we talking about is is it the the design component that we're talking about right now? When it's all done? Yeah. I mean, well, the design certainly, like, it, it's not a lot to just maybe open up a half wall and create some flow and bring in design factors that add value. But when the property is done, I think there's a lot of ways that you can add even more value. First thing I would say is staging. You have to have a staging cost in your in your renovation budget. Mm-hmm. You have to factor it in because the return on that is is going to be great. Chances are if you're flipping the home, you're not living in it, so it's unfurnished. And, I mean, you know, I, I was, you know, the National Association of Realtors, they have a great stat that, that says that homes that were staged before they listed sold 87% faster. So as you're taking that and you're saying, how can I make more money once the work is done? Well, the longer the day is on market, the less money you make. Mm-hmm. Right. So if staging can mm-hmm. help add value and make you sell faster, then you've added more money. I would say from a pricing point to add more money once the house is done is don't push your relist price. Don't try and pinch an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars on top and end up sitting. I would I would say be competitive price at market value or even even under market mm-hmm. value a little bit. Maybe that would be the perfect pricing. Me personally, I would I would prefer to price a little bit on uh, under market value to get a lot of attention to try and bring in a strong offer with low days on market so that 
when the job is all done and I've set my renovation budget and my projected resale value, I want to be as close to that projected resale value as I can because I know if I'm there, then my, my margins work. So so what you say there, and, and um, realtors with experience over past uh, couple years, especially 2017, <clears throat> really understand the uh, the effectiveness of an underpriced home. Right. And, uh, and, and it sort of, it sort of flies in the face of conventional thinking, conventional wisdom, because some people will say, well, you can, you can never go up in price, but you can always come down. Um, and, and it's, it's a misconception. Uh, So I'm, I'm just wondering what other misconceptions are out there in, uh, in the world of investment house flipping? Well, I touched on, you know, it's not about making the perfect house like you see on HGTV. Mm-hmm. That's not what you're trying to do. Um, I would also say, you know, another misconception that's out there is uh, that your profit just equals your purchase price minus your rental budget. And oftentimes everyone else will forget the other costs, carrying costs and fixed costs and closing costs and realtor fees and all of that. So it's a misconception when you're going in and you're showing properties and you're saying, oh, well, we can buy it for this price, we'll put this much into it, and this is your profit margin. It's not that simple, and it doesn't break down that way. There's a lot of associated costs to take into consideration. Your gas to and from the job, to and from the harbor store, these are all expenses that are being incurred that mm-hmm. you wouldn't think about, but all because of that flip. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot to think about. And uh, if, if you're just thinking of the basics here, misconception, you're not getting it all. Um, one of the things I'm asked from time to time by, uh, by a, a potential flipper, I don't think they're necessarily experienced flippers who are asking me this, right. but uh, I'll, be, I'll be asked by somebody interested in flipping, Dale, I'm, I, I'm, I'm wanting to flip a home, so let's start looking. I want, I want you to find something that's undervalued for the area. I want you to figure out how much I can potentially sell it for when I'm done the improvements mm-hmm. and how long it's going to take. And, and basically they want me to be the house flipper mm-hmm. and they want, they just want to come in and, and swoosh in. And, and to me, I'm saying, no, that's, that's not what I do because f- I love to look at homes with you and find homes, but you need to decide what your own plan is, uh, you need to decide how, how, to what degree you're actually going to uh, redo this because I have no clue. Right. Uh, what, what you think is a beautiful flip, um, maybe I'm going to look at it and go, e gods, this is a do it yourself or job that people are going to have to undo half of it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I get this sort of uh, occasionally this sort of thing. What, what do you think of that? Well, I think if, if you're going to be serious about flipping homes, it, it, you first off, you know your quality of work. And that's a huge factor in the resale value. If, I, if I'm you, Dale, how do you know what their work is going to look like? How can you assume what renovations they're even going to do? Are they showing up and saying, this is exactly what we're doing. This is the kitchen we're putting in. We're going with quartz counters or we're going with laminate counters. You have no idea. I think as the realtor... It's the realtor's job to 100% say, hey, I found a property that seems under market value. Mm -hmm. Um, 
cosmetically on first approach, it, it looks like it needs some upgrades and it's in a good area. Mm-hmm. I would say the realtor could then, you know, assist in the process, it could be a strong negotiator to further help the deal that they can maybe get on the property. Um, knowing the days on market of a certain property and maybe how much wiggle room might be there in the sale price. But to say that you would know where you can buy it for and where you can sell it for, there is a thousand factors Mm -hmm. that can come into play that dictate where you're going to be. You can't, one, you can't assume fully where the market's going to be. You don't know what hidden costs, what financing Mm -hmm. the individual is, is going through to facilitate the deal. So I would say if you can help them through the process, show them the numbers, show them the area, be a strong negotiator, I think that's that should be the realtor's responsibility. And the flipper should be the one crunching the numbers because it's their business and their investment. Yeah. So there you go. I just wanted to put that out there to manage expectations. That was just a question for you, Dale. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that, was just, that was just for you, that one there. That was for me. Manage expectations of your realtor when you're getting into this flipping because you're responsible. I mean, your realtor can help you in spades, but you're responsible for knowing how you're going to do this flip and and the different components to it. Absolutely. Well, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM, local real estate talk. Join us after this break for the conclusion of the two-part series of the Farrell Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Aaron Farrell. And Aaron is a real estate sales representative. He is a stager and he is a real estate investment um, investor. And this morning we're talking about how to successfully invest in in the real estate house flip. And this is a show you want to hear for that. So Aaron... um, Northumberland County, mm-hmm. where we seem to be in a perpetual seller's market. And, and we talked about this last week, um, you know, that uh, and, and being in the seller's market means there's, there's more demand than supply. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, how tricky it can be to find, to find good homes. Uh, you, you said... You said last week it, it is tricky, um, but you can find them. If somebody gets into this, how how often do you think you find a, a legitimate house flip come up in this community? Is it is it weekly? Is it monthly? What would you say? Well, I think I think in a spring market right now, where a lot of there's a lot of volume being listed. Um, Weekly, for sure. I mm-hmm. think there's properties that I've seen even over the last couple of weeks, probably two or three that I've seen. However, those two or three properties that I've seen are now all sold, and they're already either sold or conditionally sold as I've checked back on them. But they're certainly there. They're certainly available. I just think you have to have everything set up, and you have to move quickly. And you have to be there. You have to get there within the day it's listed or the next day. Because the thing is that's tough for 
someone that is is going to flip the property is they can't just get there and and maybe throw in the offer. They have to take everything they've seen, do a bit more research, Mm -hmm. put the numbers together, and then do the research to see if it's going to work, opposed to maybe a first-time home buyer that's competing with you that says, this looks good, let's put in an offer, conditional on home inspection, and see what happens. So I just think they are coming up. You just have to you just have to move quickly. Yeah, that, that's that's a, I agree. That's a big key. And and then we talked about. Just wanted to ask you about this again because it can be. I think it could be a discouraging thing for a home flipper. And that is, you you see the perfect property come up in in an area where homes like that. Let's let's just pull out a number. Maybe homes like that typically sell for four fifty. And, and they know, they know this is a home that needs a little love. Mm-hmm. And so now they're, instead of, instead of asking 459 to get 450, now they're asking 439 mm-hmm. to get 430. They're devaluing it maybe by 20,000, but you know, there's, there's 60,000 to put into it just to bring it back up. Right. So I think last week I, I, I sort of phrased it as they're riding on the coattails of the neighborhood. Right. What do you do when you see a home like that? Well, see, and, and a lot of times if you're going to see that property, there's a good chance that as soon as you go back and you run those numbers, they're not going to work. Uh, last week we touched on how you're going to try and for your numbers to be profitable, you're going to be trying to break the ceiling, right? You're going to be, Remember mm-hmm. I said, go back, have your realtor check. What's the highest prices in that area that they've sold for? Are you going to be the first one trying to break through? That's why I think it's important, too, to find find properties that, you know, are maybe more of a one-off build in town um, that aren't as comparable to mm-hmm. others that maybe don't have that neighborhood ceiling. But I certainly think there are a lot of properties that are, like you said, riding on the coattails. And we touched on it, whether it's because there isn't a mass volume of homes separating it and, and, you know, distinguishing the price points as they move along. You see one home that's finished that's around 450 and another similar model that is a bit dated and it's only those two models available and it's only maybe a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar difference. Your cost to renovate that home, there's not going to be much profit left. One of the things in, in- in keeping with this sort of scenario, one of the things I think about in a regular resale with um, with buyers is, especially when it comes to, say, a multiple offer scenario, one of the things I'll say to buyers is, you know, it's a Wayne Gretzky uh, quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're anticipating you're not going to have the winning offer, you know what, we just never know. Um if if they're sort of, you know, out of line in a pricing uh, as a investment flipper, would that apply in in that case where they're where they maybe should be asking price should be fifty thousand less than than um, where they're posted where they're posted? It, does that apply? Uh, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take, or is 100%. that percent? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what MLS is there for as a realtor's resource to go back and pull comparables that maybe justify a certain price. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where you can find those deals and create those deals. You see a property that is racked up days on market. Your realtor has shown you that this house similar similar to this house has sold at this mark. Throw your offer in. 
throw mm-hmm. in a strong offer and make it strong on the other ends of the deal that aren't the asking price, and then have the research behind it to back up why you're justifying that price. I mean, I'm not a fan of just throwing in an offer with no justification because this is what works for you. You have to have evidence to prove it. But certainly, I think if you can prove it, take the shot. You never know. Mm-hmm. And and there's some tact about that too. Like, you know, even though I haven't done the investment flipping for myself, it's not it's not for me. Uh, I'm on the I'm on the representative side of offers like that, and and sometimes I I'm representing the seller, and we get some people somebody that's coming in and proving that tr- or trying to prove that we're out to lunch, mm-hmm. and uh, delivery is everything. It you know, is. you can say the same same message a few different ways, and think about it. I mean, think about how the receiver is receiving this um, because you could you could just you could just completely uh, cut yourself off from any chance in the way you you come across and 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 maybe maybe you can do the same thing and have them sleep on it or something certainly I mean although it's although it is numbers and price points and valuation it's more emotional than anything yeah and you're talking to a person who's this invested in, yeah this yeah yeah, and you ne- you never you know make out to insult anyone or come yeah. off rude, and and that's why I'm not a fan personally of just throwing in a number because it works. If you have justification to prove it, deliver it. Maybe do a longer irrevocable to give some time for the deal to breathe and the offer to breathe and people to think on it. And mm-hmm. and I mean at the end of the day, people are up for sale because they want to sell. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned something last week, and uh, you know I was thinking this week, and and you mentioned it, and I let it slip by. I didn't ask you about it. Something to do with uh, baseboards. You like to pay attention to baseboards, yeah. and and you know I missed I missed following up. Uh, what I are think, you thinking there? I, well, I think baseboards are a great representation of the quality of the work that was done, because baseboards and crown molding and trim work. It's, it's done at the end, so as people maybe frustrations have built up on the job. And also, it's, it's meticulous in a way. It's met, metis, mm-hmm. meticulous carpentry. Mm-hmm. So when I'm going through a property, and this isn't as a flip. This is me as an agent taking buyers through. I'm curious to look at the baseboards and, you know, are, are they caulked along the top? What did the joints look like? Are there seams? Are they off the wall like are mm-hmm. they just thrown there because baseboards can be up just glued to the wall with some pl premium or are they done properly i just think i, I mentioned baseboards because i think it's a it's a it's a little representation into the quality of the work that's maybe done in the property and and you mentioned the caulking my goodness if there's one skill you want to get good at is <laughs> with a caulking gun because i mean not even just flips just any old home and could you ever uh, improve the look of a home with a, a little bit of time and a caulking gun. It's, it does wonders yeah. because you walk into a property and you see a big crack through some, some trim or where there's a, a, a seam. Mm-hmm. But if that is just flowing around yeah. the room. If it's all flush. It looks it, great. Yeah, absolutely. So somebody looking to do a flip or getting into the flipping business, mm-hmm. um, what kind of advice would you give them on how to scale their business? Well, I think when you're starting out, we touched on how it, flipping a home is a risk and it's a calculated risk and you have to make it a calculated risk. I would say for someone starting out, don't ever let the fear of diving into something that you want to do hold you back from doing it. But I would say first, maybe start off with working through the whole process in your primary residence. 
buying your own property, living in it, doing the flip, getting the feel for the work, practicing managing a budget. Um, after that, if it goes well, then you look to start growing your business. Um, you're going to work towards building a portfolio mm -hmm. because a portfolio of successful flips is what is going to allow you to um, leverage your abilities to find private lenders. You know, mm -hmm. it's really not realistic that you're going to be able to fully finance every single flip. You can't go from primary residence to primary residence forever flipping your homes. At some point, you have to get some sort of financial backing to support you to continue to grow. If a fantastic opportunity becomes available, you want to be able to jump on it. So that's why I think when you go from that first stage of flipping your own place to then reaching out, maybe start with family, people in the family who want to you know, lend you money or doctors and lawyers that maybe want to invest with you because you can you know, do a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10% return versus maybe money they were going to put in the stock market. That's where you can start to get multiple properties. From there, if you're looking to make this a business, then you got to start finding the people. Mm -hmm. You have to find that general contractor that's going to be able to now oversee the jobs while you're overseeing the deals. Mm -hmm. A great uh, tip to that was, you know, you're going to pay your general contractor a wage, but also open them up to profit sharing. You get some skin in the game. A hundred percent because a contractor gets paid for the work. They want it done fast, but you know, they're not maybe focusing that heavily on the cost to get the job done if someone else is paying it. But if they have, like you said, some skin in the game and they're also getting a share of that profit at the end, they also want that budget to be managed well. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think from there, you know, it's about, you know, starting a company, incorporating a business as well so that you're, it's, it's taxed as a business and not taxed as capital gains as a primary residence. Because if you're doing multiple properties, I mean, y you can't do them all primary. You have to have that, have it taxed as a company just to, you know, put more money in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Well, Aaron, we're, we're really close to the end here, but I, I just think I got to ask you this one last question. Um, you've been doing this flipping for a while now, and uh, do you have any either funny or unusual or scary uh, house flip story you can share? Well, to finish, finish it up quickly, because I know we're running short on time, is I, last week I touched on the funny story about how we were doing that property and the attic insulation oh. fell off the, uh, off the uh, water. Semi-funny. Semi-funny <laughs> until you saw the cost to re-insulate the attic. Yeah. But um, a scary story would be, because we're, we're sitting here talking about it, I had people reach out to me and be like, that sounds great, I want to get into it. Um, I've also had a really scary story with, mm -hmm. with flipping a home. I took on, like I, I mentioned last week, that home run flip. Yeah. Bought it in 2016, knew it was going to be about a year. It was going to be a hefty budget, but where we would sell for it would be a really, really great price point, and it really made sense. Everything was looking great. We were working through the property, and when we listed it in June of 2017, what happened? The market started to change. Well, a year in advance, yeah. you never would have thought. No. And as it started to change, we ended up selling that property three separate times, twice on conditional offers that fell through, and we took us a year to do it and then another year to sell it. And those fixed costs really, really piled up. And it was scary. It got really scary for a little while because you were just seeing your profit run away and run away and run away and you were desperate to get a sale. So I would say, you know, for anyone that is thinking that, you know, it's always positive, it's not. But at the same time, the reward is always really, really nice. It's rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, and there's an intrinsic benefit to creating something special from the before and after of a flip. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. And Aaron, uh, 
thanks for joining us uh, for, for these two me. weeks. You're very welcome. And if somebody's interested in, in real estate in general, uh, they're looking for a realtor, or if they're interested in talking to you about the investment flipping, best way to contact you? You can uh, reach out to me uh, via call or text at, at 905-396-0489 or send me an email at aaron at aaronfarrow.ca, and I'm happy to hear everyone's questions. And, and, and should I also mention if anybody has any, any camera tech questions, <laughs> you, you, save, you save the recording today, Aaron. And, and folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Until next week, folks.